Hello and welcome to the Pitchsider podcast. There's been no club football this week. However, there is still a lot to talk about, from the Nations League to new managers in the Championship and League One. Joining me as normal is the chief editor of the Pitchsider, Mr. Toby Green. How are we? I'm very well. How are you today, mate? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, yeah, a lot of football to, um, that hasn't been played, but off the pitch, there's still a lot to talk about. So let's start with the news, and there's big news coming out of West Ham. Mark Noble becomes West Ham's sporting director. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Toby? Well, I'm not sure what his credentials are. However, saying that, he is a, a club legend. He's played over 550 games for West Ham. So he knows the club inside out. I'm sure he'll do a good job there. Um, I'm sure it'll be a, a sort of a learning curve for him. But I guess when you are a player and you're in that environment and then you get consider, um, you sort of know what needs to be done, what holes need to be filled. So yeah, in that sense, it, it does seem like a sensible appointment. I guess time will tell. Yeah, I, th- I think going back to you saying his credentials, I think his credentials, um, he did recently graduate from Harvard Business School in America oh. with a business and leadership degree. So I, that may have an effect of why West Ham have appointed him very quickly after sort of retiring. Perhaps, yeah. Um, I guess you do need sort of business acumen to- that role i guess we'll see how we get it on at the club uh, i'm sure that the fans were given plenty of time to to adjust and the club itself knowing how well you know how long he spent at that that club given his time over the years the one club man um yeah i think he'll do well there yeah yeah i think he will do well um obviously west ham aren't in the best of forms but um let's see what improvements he can make on and off the pitch now he's retired and hopefully he can lead to successful time at West Ham. Moving on, Barcelona have surprisingly made a profit. Um, I don't know if you've seen this reported. So they've reported that they made a £68 million profit in the last financial year. Yes, yeah. Um, I'm not surprised in a way because of the, you know, the levers they pulled. Uh, they've basically secured future revenue um, for the immediate future. So in that sense, it does make a lot of sense, even though they spent a tremendous amount of money uh, bringing in loads of players. Also, you know, the wages that they've accumulated, I'm sure they'll be in like maybe the top five spending clubs in terms of wages. But yeah, it's, it's, it has been sort of expected this. It's just depending on uh, what their issues will, will will arise in the future if there will be any um, because you know they've sort of bargained on immediate success so who knows what will happen in, in the future yeah um, but on the other end of the scale your club United have announced that they have made a net loss of 115.5 million for that same financial year Barcelona have made a profit um, what's your take on this? Um, well, they have gone pretty hard in the window as of late. Um, the last few years, bringing Alexis Sancho, Ronaldo, and Varane, which all come with steep wages uh, and increased the wages. Uh, I think for the first time in a long time, we've become the 
um, club with the highest wage bill. We've overtaken City, which I guess is expected of this turnover of players. And um, I guess the quality of players that he brought in. I know Ronaldo hasn't done too well so far, but you know he does command the big uh, a wage. Um, but I think the annoying thing is for United fans and you know, um, people who know the club is that the Glazers are still taking out twenty five million a year in uh, dividends, even though the the club's in huge debt and the debt has increased year on year, and still the owners take money out. So. I guess we you can see why I hate American owners. Yeah, the um, so United have a current wage bill, well, as of last year, raised by nineteen point one percent with all your intake. Um, it went to three hundred eighty four point two million, whereas Cities was three hundred fifty five. So it's roughly about a thirty million pound difference between the two clubs. But I suppose yeah, your your debt went from four four. 419 to 514 within the year um which is a rise of 22 percent mm, it's about 100 million almost on top mm. so it's not a pretty sight um you know for a club of the size and the you know how it's structured it it, it will survive <laughs> you know if a smaller club had that sort of percentage of, of increase in debt then you know they may go under but united always has this um Sponsorship deals and you know the the stadium uh, tickets revenue, um, they'll keep it afloat. But it's not not a promising trajectory uh, as it stands. Um, and hopefully the um, the on pitch results, um, you know, have not been great as of late. Well, in the last ten years or so. So that definitely has a, an impact on revenue. Hopefully that that will change and maybe uh, uh, you know getting more results, getting some more trophies will. Will uh, counteract this um, this massive deficit they've got. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not looking good for United, but hopefully, hopefully, with this end of COVID and fans allowed back in the stadiums and that uh, sales will start to go up. But I suppose also if you get Ronaldo off your books, he's kind of he'll bring in a lot of player shirt sales every year, but and sponsorship. But whether he whether getting that wage bill off will have a negative effect, I don't know. Um, but it, I think it was reported that about Barcelona have made like an extra six hundred million since signing Messi at just in commercial deals alone. I think I saw this week. So I'm guessing Ronaldo probably has a similar f- effect for United in that way. Yeah, I mean, people do say that you know um, uh, shirt sales are you know generated when you sign a big player. That's not the case because clubs always sign pre contracts with you know nike or adidas um they're paid yearly rather than how many units they sell so in that regards it's not um going to make a difference but it will make a difference in terms of the sponsorships that they can acquire and ronaldo of his obvious media pool uh will bring a lot of money in that in that regards um but what you did say about you know the stadium and you know how covid has affected clubs um united particularly because of the size of the stadium they bring in a tremendous tremendous amount of money um through ticket sales um, smaller clubs, uh, or, or I should say, clubs with smaller stadiums, uh, it may have had less of an impact on them um, because it was a smaller part of their revenue stream. Um, but as you know, United have the biggest stadium, maybe um, you know, arguably 
uh, Tottenham sort of caught up almost. Um, but one of the biggest stadiums in, in England um, had a big impact on them uh, financially. Let's move on. And to something that most plan football fans will be disappointed with this start. Um, I was, we've mentioned that previously on the podcast with cup finals, fans rushing onto the pitch, but it was released by the Home Office this week that football disorder in England and Wales has reached the highest it has since 2013-14. It's an eight-year high. This isn't something that football wants to be associated with, with players getting well, fans getting bans and more. There was 141 pitch invasions last season, which is up by 127% on on the season 18-19. Yeah, it's pretty shocking statistics. Um, I mean, historically, England, uh, well, English clubs have been banned from Europe from due to their um, fans of fighting. I think it was in the the mid eighties that they they had a European wide ban for for English clubs. Um, I don't think it will go the same way um, in terms of bans, but it's not great to see. I know you see other clubs uh, in Europe have bad fans, you know, ones that cause. Um, maybe riots and violence, um, but they're usually isolated to a couple of clubs um, and you tend to see it more when they play teams abroad. And there's such as like uh, the Frankfurt fans um, were, you know, told basically still stop fighting uh, when they go abroad. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, domestically, it's, it's quite an issue in England at the moment. Um, and I guess Wales as well. Um and uh, I don't know what they can do about it because, you know, um, penalising the club through financial... Financial, like, restraints or restraints. fines. Yeah, fines, I guess. Um doesn't really make an impact on the, the actual fans. However, I guess if you dock clubs' points, maybe that will make them um, pay more attention to that uh, if they can see their clubs actually being impacted on uh, in terms of the league position. But, yeah, at the moment, it's, it's not, not pretty viewing. No, so last season, fifty-three percent of all games played at all levels. There was instance reported, so one thousand six hundred nine games out of the three thousand nineteen matches played, which is pretty shocking. Do you want to have a guess at the three clubs that were the highest that had the like most banning orders last it, season in England? Yeah, Premier League is it? Two Premier League, and I think one's a League One team. You can probably guess the League One team. Uh, Millwall? Yes. I guess <laughs> they were the highest. No. I don't know the the uh, Premier League ones. Maybe Chelsea? No. Um, I don't know. So, so it was Leicester City with 28 and Everton with 26. Interesting. Maybe it tells you something about the, the demographic of those particular regions. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, if you're in the stadiums and it's, you don't really want to be pitch invasion or throwing stuff. And I, I've been at matches and I went to an England match last season and they, I mean, a lot of people were making paper planes out of their tickets and throwing them onto the pitch, which obviously litters the pitch and stops the game. And if a team like England are in a flow, uh, which is very hard to, for England to get into at the moment, they it could by them just picking up these paper planes, it disrupts the game, could disrupt the 
flow, and it could have a negative effect on the game. Yeah, uh, you know, if I went to it watching it, I'll probably one of the, I'll be one of those people who threw like paper planes. Not gonna lie, uh, but yeah, I don't think it compares to like actual violence against um, other fans, even your own fans. You know, recently we've seen um, fans attack players. Um, I think it was like one of the cup finals, maybe against. No, the playoff final actually against the um, Forest and Sheffield. There's an altercation with Billy Sharp, um, and there's been a few of those actually recently. But so yeah, it's not it's not a great viewing. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they need tougher policies, um, better you know stewards, more stewards. Who knows what the answer is going to be? But yeah, not not great. No, no, there, it isn't great. Um, but this is something that will have to be sorted out by the FA and the government and potentially will cost the clubs even more money but it's a situation we're having to deal with um but yeah i thought it was quite an interesting story um especially as it's we're coming out sort of covid and fans are back um but let's move on to something a bit more positive for a couple of clubs um so there's been a couple of managers appointments this week which you're going to take us through Yes, sure. Um, so recently, um, Derby County have appointed a new boss. They had uh, Liam Rosenau, um as interim, and now uh, they brought in Paul Vaughan um, as their head coach. I mean, recently, Derby have had a pretty solid uh, window. Um, and uh, yeah, they brought in some good players. They sit 11th in the league. Um, there's only nine games played so far, but uh, they had quite a well, they had an incredibly small squad prior to the start of pre-season. Um, only having like four or five players. And so it, it would have been a, a big uh, undertaking to bring in a whole new squad. Um, the players they had brought in there have been uh, quality. Uh, definitely league one quality, if not championship. Um, they just need to fill in a few more players. So hopefully they'll be able to strengthen in those areas. Um, but in terms of Paul Warney, he's quite a... a um, He's familiar with the league, so that's definitely what they, they need. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they progress. And more recently, um, I think it was today, it was announced that Watford appointed um, Croatian Slavin Bilic, which is kind of a shock because Rod Ed- Bob- Rob Edwards was having a, quite a good uh, run as uh, Watford boss. He's only played 11 games, or managed 11 games, I should say, but they were in, uh, I think, fourth, fourth spot. So it's a little bit of a shock. But it is the Pozo family who are notorious for for sacking uh, managers, the merry-go-rounds of Watford managers. And it's quite notorious nowadays. It's not really a um, a career prospect that you want to go to Watford. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe if I was an upcoming manager, obviously it's a big team with ambitions and resources that could reach the Premier League. But um, with these kind of owners, you feel you know any minute you could get sacked. And you know, I think it was only two two dodgy games, maybe um, that Edwards had endured recently that made the the board decide to sack him. So very harsh on him. Um, Slavan is, you know, he's a he's a decent manager, but you know, more recently he's been managing in China, so he's sort of not really in the good trajectory um, in his career. Unlike Edwards, who was on the way up since leaving Forest Green Rovers. So yeah, I don't know, bit of a gamble for Watford. Um, they're definitely hoping they could bank um, on Bilic getting into the, the Premier League, uh, which he's done before. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to... It wasn't long ago he was managing West Ham, I don't think, was it? 
or is it a couple of it was a while ago a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. probably like five six years ago. well maybe less than that but it feels a long time ago now yeah let's move on to some football and um, so this week we've had no club football but it is an international break of um the nations league and um, i will just quickly I will just do a little um, sort of explanation of how the Nations League works. As if you were like me or Toby, you probably have forgotten how this competition works or you probably didn't know how it works because not many people probably care about this unless you're in the final and you win like Portugal. But for if you've forgotten, there currently is split into four different leagues with A being the highest and B being the lowest. Um, and that is then split into four groups with four teams in A, B and C. And all these teams then play each other twice. Um, in D, there's two groups, one with four teams and one with three. And it works a bit like relegation. So if you come top in your group, you get promoted. And if you get if you get lowest, you then get relegated. And so you could go from A to B or B to A. Um, the top four teams in A then go into finals and one of them being picked at random to be the host. And then it is done two semifinals and a final and a third place, which England recently got to in the last round of the Nations League. Um, and then in Group A, B and C, the four top teams from each group will then go off into the playoffs for Euro 2024. So it's quite an interesting, I think it's trying to get rid of some of these international friendlies, but yeah, most people probably don't really care about, most people will see these as like a international friendly or people prefer, like me, I prefer an international friendly, you play some more different teams rather than same teams you're going to play in Europe. But yeah, I'll quickly go through the games from Thursday. So on Thursday, we had Croatia versus Denmark, which ended 2-1. France beat Austria 2-0. Kazakhstan was 2, Belarus was 1. Azerbaijan beat Slovakia 2-1. Moldova beat Latvia 2-1. Andorra beat Liechtenstein 2-0. Belgium versus Wales was 2-1. Netherlands versus Poland was 2-0 to Netherlands. Lithuania versus Faroe? Faroe. was 1-0. And Luxembourg versus Turkey was 3-0. Is there any games you want to talk about from that day? Uh, Yeah, I want to mention, uh, namely, uh, the Wales-Belgium game. Uh, hasn't been pretty viewing for for Wales in this group so far. They've lost uh, three games in total. Uh, we'll go on to the more recent one uh, soon, but uh, they've lost to Netherlands, Belgium, and uh, Poland. Three difficult teams to play against. Um, but I guess setting up for a World Cup, um, it's not the most uh, impressive form. You know, if Wales in particular, they. Um, not really known for, for having quality throughout the pitch, particularly in midfield at the moment. Um, Bale is playing very sporadically uh, for LAFC. Um, and um, Ramsey is also just starting to play um, more often for, for Nice at the moment. So, yeah, not the best 
preparation for them. Um, but I guess, you know, any sort of opportunity to play as a unit will strengthen a, a team like Wales who do seem to turn up for, for tournaments. I was a little bit shocked by Turkey, you know, only managing a draw against Luxembourg, uh, three all. You know, I know Turkey isn't blessed for, for talent all over the pitch at the moment, but they certainly have the quality to beat a team like Luxembourg. Um, and yeah, Netherlands winning 2-0 against Poland was not exactly a shock. Um, Poland have good players, but they don't really play very exciting football, kind of pragmatic. But yeah, for, for the Netherlands, it's quite quite a good uh, run they've had so far. So it'll be interesting to see how well they can do at the World Cup. Um, I can talk about the the Friday games as well. Um, yeah. We've had quite a few less um, games. Uh, start off with Georgia winning 2-0 against Macedonia. Uh, Kvar Shelia, the Napoli winger, scored uh, in that game. Estonia beat Malta 2-1. Uh, Germany lost to Hungary 1-0. Um, Italy beat England 1-0. Bosnia beat Montenegro 1-0. Finland drew with Romania 1-0. And Bulgaria beat Gibraltar 5-1. Uh, I guess we have to speak about the England-Italy game, but I think first we should mention the, the Germany-Hungary game. So Hungary have been in amazing form in this group. I think even they top it at the moment. Mm-hmm. They've got a, uh, quite a unique bunch of players. Um, I guess the standout is Schlobsley from Leipzig. But Adam Slazai, the 34-year-old lanky striker that they've got, um, he's at Basel and sort of the twilight of his career, but he's still performing amazingly well for Hungary. And they just seem like a really solid team. Uh, England haven't beaten them. Uh, Germany lost in this game. I think Italy had a maybe a draw against them. So yeah, quite interesting to watch Hungary, um, how well they've been playing as a unit. And they've got a player called Callum Styles, who does not sound Hungarian at all. Um, I think he, he's, well, he's English, but he's, he's Hungarian through some uh, grandparents um, that he has. But yeah, let's talk about the big one. Uh, Italy, England. What do you think, Joe? So so I kind of, I watched this game, but uh, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was a weird sort of setup from Southgate. I can see what he's doing, but I mean, probably one of the biggest shocks was playing a winger, well, a right winger in Saka at left back or left wing back in what he played. Um he seemed to Saka seemed a little bit lost on that wing. Um it's a big shock to play when a player plays on one side, it's a big shock for them to play on the other side. I know they should be able to. But yeah, to be able to then be put in with defensive sort of acumens, it's I don't I don't know. I, I don't I don't really rate Southgate at the moment. Um I mean, I, I did a poll on our Instagram today to um, Southgate out. At, at the moment, I think most people are going for a South to keep Southgate. Um, but one player I don't agree with starting, I think I voiced this last week or whenever we talk about England, is Harry Maguire. He's played six, six, he hasn't played in six games for United, sat on the bench, played little bits here and there, and then we start him. At a centre back in back in the back of three, I don't know. I don't think he should have started. Um, yeah, just sort of lackluster. No, no real sort of identity. Mm. Well, I think you know with Maguire's 
I do feel like he does perform better for England. And in this game, he was not given a single favour uh, by Saka playing a wing-back. Um, yes, Saka has played there before for for uh, Arsenal, um, but more recently in his career, he still played um, as a left-winger, um, ROI right-winger, um, and he just left so many gaps um, for Harry Maguire. Um, Maguire had to cover two men, and with his pace, that was impossible. And I think, you know, more of an issue is probably Shaw playing um, than Maguire because Shaw hasn't played a single minute of football for United this season. And although probably would have done a better job than Saka, it's a bit worrying that at that particular position on the pitch, um, still a lot of question marks. We're so heavily one-sided in terms of our development of full-backs. Um, it's a little bit scary. So I don't know what we're going to do for the World Cup. I do feel like we'll be playing the three, three at the back formation. So it does open the question who's going to play uh, at the left wing back position. I imagine it will be sure, just because of his um, how well he's done for England. And let's not forget he has done really well for England when he's played there. He scored in the, the final of the Euros, and he was one of the uh, well one of the best players um, at the World Cup as well. I think you could say the same for Maguire as well on his um, in terms of what he's done for England at tournaments. I can see why Southgate's kept him in there. But the game in general was incredibly slow, um, didn't lack any penetration or desire, which is very worrying. And as a result of that, we got knocked out. Well, not knocked out of the Nations League, but knocked out of our group. Um, definitely didn't deserve to stay in there, though. Um, maybe we'll play against some easier teams uh, when the next round comes about. Um, but yeah, not looking great for our preparation for, for the World Cup with all these losses. No. However, saying that, I am still Southgate in. I'm like, I'm like yourself, Joe. Um, I feel like we need to wait until after the World Cup. Uh, he deserves that opportunity after what he's done for England uh, during the Euros and World Cup. Um, and then we can review it after the World Cup. The, the only thing for me is I, Southgate's done well for England and he, he's, he's pushed us further than we've got. But I feel like he's playing players that are have he's playing players that play well for England. They may not necessarily be in any sort of form. Whereas we've got players on the bench that, I mean, yeah, at left back we haven't really got anyone. Uh, I would maybe argue Chilwell, which is in the squad, he should maybe be playing. I know he's not fully fit. But he has played for Chelsea. When he has played, he's played quite well. He got an assist and a goal in the time he's played, um, which is more than Luke Shaw. Um, and I believe Luke Shaw is also starting tonight against Germany um, in about 20 minutes. But yeah, when we've got players on the bench like Tamori and like Gerhi that have been playing games, these players need to come in. De- Dyer was a very good shout. He's been playing really well. Um, for England and also for Spurs he's got a couple of goals this season um, I, I do rate that but yeah I, I I don't know but yeah I can see where you're coming from I, it is a case of whether you play the sort of trusted heads for England um, albeit if they have poor form or no form if they're not playing um, or, or fresher players um, but I don't know it is a bit of a gamble this late stage um, I guess you know Playing the plays he's played so far hasn't really worked out, so maybe he does 
line up for an opportunity to mix things up. But, you know, as this is, you know, the City game was the penultimate game before the World Cup started, I don't, I can understand why he didn't want to shake it up too much. No, no, I, I understand why he hasn't shaken it up for the Italy game. I predicted him to put out first 11 that he would start in the World Cup. We needed to go and basically win this game to stay in the group. Saying that, today we go and play Germany. We have lost everything in this group, so it doesn't matter if we go and get a win or a loss. This I know this is for fans and that he needs to go and get a win here. He needs to boost the fans. If I was Southgate, I would be experimenting with certain players. You've got players that you... For example, Ivan Tony is now... He's not starting for England today. He is sat on the bench. We've got Harry Kane up front. Surely we should be considering players like Tammy, players like Ivan Tony. Harry Kane's form, he he's a very good striker, but he can be very injury prone. He's always out injured for a couple of weeks every season. Um, I think we should maybe be looking to play a more rotated side and to be more narrowing down his squad to give like Ivan Tony a chance to sort of maybe give him a little bit. All he's been able to show is what he can do on the training pitch and whether a 20-minute cameo is going to get him in that World Cup squad, I don't know. Well, you know, on that, I, I don't think uh, Abraham himself has had a great year so far, so I can understand why he hasn't played. In terms of going into the tournament, you definitely want to have a... Um, at least if most of your players um, that you know will, will play every game. And Kane's one of them. You know, he was top scorer during the Euros, so definitely he'll play every game. I know with Tony's form uh, that he will be most, most likely be backup. Watkins would be probably the other alternative, but he's had a terrible year so far. I think he's only got one goal. So Tony would definitely go. Um, saying that, I don't think he'll be a starter. Maybe if we're losing, he'll come on. Um but yeah, realistically, if Tony was to play, he'd be playing alongside Kane. Um, if we were not, you know, winning a game or grasping it uh, to its fullest, unless Kane's injured, of course. So maybe in this game against Germany, he'll bring on Tony to play alongside Kane. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see. I can see Abraham being taken, but I don't think he'll be anywhere near the starting eleven. Um, and yeah, Watkins will be. A no. Um... I think there's also a player that's trying to get in but won't is uh, Calvert-Lewin. But um, yeah, he's going to be nowhere near the squad, especially in Tony and form. Uh, Abraham is in, he's not in the greatest form, but he is, saying he is scoring in Italy. But yeah, it's just... Uh, I would have maybe seen more of a rotation, especially, especially in the goal. Um, obviously Pickford is England's number one um, I think Southgate is sort of benching that but we've got very good goalkeepers in Nick Pope and Ramsdale and also Dean Henderson whether one of these sort of Henderson and um, Ramsdale should have maybe given a sort of an opportunity to impress what they could do in goal rather than starting Pope for two games I don't know but this is football and yeah, it's gonna. Everyone, everyone's going to be behind the manager when he's doing well, and they're always not going to be behind the manager when they're 
not do well when they're doing well everyone will be behind him and um everything will be forgotten i will now do saturday yep. so northern lion beat kosovo 2-1 cyprus beats greece 1-0 portugal beat czech republic 4-0 switzerland beat spain 2-1 ukraine beat armenia 5-0 uh, scotland beat republic of ireland 2-1 israel beat Albania 2-1, Slovenia beat Norway 2-1, and Serbia beat Sweden 4-1. Is there any games you want to mention? Yes, definitely. Um, I want to mention Serbia because, you know, for the World Cup, um, they're one of my hot picks, to be honest. I know they're in a group with Brazil, <laughs> but I feel like they've got some fantastic players. Um, in particular, in this game, well, Mitrovic scored a hat-trick, you know, Partnered him is Dusan Vlavic, um, Juventus' main man up front. They've also got Milinkovic Savic and Milinkovic Savic's brother, uh, who's a keeper. Um, they've got Filip Kostic, who also plays for uh, Juventus. Um, and they've got Lukic as well, who plays for Torino, who's played for Lazio. But they've got a lot of great talent throughout the whole pitch. Um, and uh, Sweden aren't a bad team at all. Uh, but there is a player from Sweden I do want to mention. His, his name is Isaac Hien. Um, three years ago, he played as a centre back uh, in Sweden. Sorry, as a striker in Sweden's third division. Going on three years now, he's a centre back uh, playing in Syria. So he's had a massive um, turnaround in his career. So it's great to see. Um, but yeah, Serbia is one of my ones to watch, I guess, for the World Cup. Um, I guess another um, game that I want to mention is also Switzerland beating Spain. <clears throat> It's been a, an issue for Spain for a long time, not having a, a striker of any real might. I guess the only one is really uh, Morata. And, you know, he's very hot and cold. So, yeah, without him, they, they're sort of lacking that, you know, focal point. And the way they used to play, it didn't really affect them because they had sort of the tiki-taka ability of Xavi and Iniesta, but they don't have that anymore. So I don't know if it will affect them a lot. Um They've still got a few of their old guards still in there, like Busquets, Alba, and Aspilicueta. Um, But I think it'll be an interesting World Cup with Spain, to say the least. Um, but yeah, great great result for Switzerland. I, I completely forgot Shakiri was still playing for them. Fair enough. Switzerland do actually have a good team. And other than that, I want to say Portugal played well. 4-0 victory against Czech Republic. Czech Republic quite solid, usually. Um, and Diogo Dallo, um, United's fullback, got a brace. And they've got an assist as well, I believe. Um, yeah, I think that'd be, you know, a really interesting team to watch. Um, their manager, um, who had a bit of a mare, uh, basically he forgot he had a centre back on the pitch, so he, he played a defensive midfielder at centre back. And after the game, he said, "Oh, I forgot I had um, Jallo from Lille on the bench, the centre back," which is not the not the thing you want to hear from a, a manager. Um, but yeah, anyway, they they got a really good team. Um, definitely be fun to watch at the World Cup. And just finally, we can go through the, the Sunday games. Um, so Andorra drew with Latvia 1-0. Moldova beat Liechtenstein 2-0. Slovakia drew with Belarus 1-0. Azerbaijan beat Kazakhstan 3-0. Croatia beat Austria 3-1. Denmark beat France 2-0. Netherlands beat Belgium 1-0. Wales lost to Poland 1-0. The Faroe Islands beat Turkey 2-1. And Luxembourg Lithuania one 0 Any games you want to pick up? So I suppose we should talk about Wales versus 
Poland, um, obviously Poland getting a victory here. But I mean, they looked good, Wales. They came very close. I think Bale hit the post in the sort of like 90th minute. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Bale had more of a chance to sort of win this. But yeah, I don't know what you thought about this game. It's not really an issue for, for Wales, but the thing that stands out to me, they've got their midfielders, the central midfielders. They got one from Portsmouth. Uh, they got a United Loney who plays uh, at Dundee. Um, they've got another one from uh, Swindon and one from Birmingham, uh, an 18-year-old. So I think that's the main part of the pitch they're lacking when Ramsey's not playing is the central midfield. So maybe that'll pose an issue for them. Um, I know Necker Williams played right mid, um, which he's, you know, he's sort of a wing back. So I guess that makes sense, but not his natural position. But for the World Cup, I think that'll be stronger when Ramsey back and hopefully Bale is more uh, fully fit and um, able to play with 490. I want to mention a, a bit of a shock was uh, France losing to Denmark 2-0. Denmark have looked very solid throughout. Uh, they do have a fantastic team, Christensen and Joachim Anderson, centre-backs, uh, with Joachim Mailer from Atalanta uh, and uh, Christensen from Leeds as the, the two full-backs. So their defence is very good. Cassius Michael, Having a terrible year, been dropped by Nice um, for former Chelsea keeper Volker. Um, but I guess for, for Denmark, he's still a good keeper. Uh, and also, they've got a lot of quality in midfield Delaney, Hoyberg, and Ericsson. Um, so, yeah, very good team. Saying that, France should have been them. Uh, I know France, unlike Southgate, um, have been sort of experimenting more younger players, uh, apart from the front three, remains sort of ever. Consistent with Mbappe, Giroud, and Griezmann, I'm sure will be the front three for the World Cup. But the whole sort of back line is quite young. Uh, Bashidile um, from Monaco and Saliba and, and Pamicano, uh, all quite young. But who knows what they're going to play uh, at the back because they've sort of shifted around a lot. I think Saliba will probably be a starter there for sure. Uh, and I would like to see Nkuku somehow squeeze his way into there. He might have to displace Griezmann, which Seems unlikely to Griezmann as the captain of France um, when the race is not playing. But yeah, interesting one for France. Yeah, I think, for them. I think for France, it's also going to be interesting, especially if um, players... I know Pogba's probably not going to be fit, but I think Kante now is getting back to fitness and should be ready for Chelsea's first game against Palace. So whether it's going to be a game that where or whether Kante will be fit for the World Cup, it's or time will tell. But yeah, it's their midfield is probably going to be a bit of an issue for them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think I think Kante will be locked on uh, as a starter. I mean, they do have the two Real Madrid um, young midfielders, Camavinga and Chouameni, who are you know, highly you know a lot of quality and with great potential. Um, and I think they can do a job for France. But yeah, it's a lot of, in some of the positions, if they have injuries and there's a lot of, I know they have a lot of quality on the bench and all that, but, you know, embedded them into the team and getting used to the, to playing how the Shelves wants to play would be maybe a little bit of a challenge, but who knows? Um, been interesting to, want to watch out for. And I guess, the finally, the other team that I want to mention is Croatia, who I remember in the, um, the last World Cup, they were my underdogs in my sweepstake. I'm not sure how I got that through the through the um the rules. But anyway, they, they got to the final. Um 
and yeah, they they seem to be incredibly solid team. I know Modric is pretty old now at 37, but he can do the job still. Um, so yeah, I'm sure they'll do well in the World Cup regardless. Yeah, and I think that about wraps up the Nations League for well for now. Um, probably mention it a little bit next week because it's currently one last fixture of games. But um, is there any international friendlies you would want to mention that's happened elsewhere? Just a few, really. Um, so earlier on, Argentina, uh, this is on the 24th of September. So two days ago on Saturday, Argentina beat Honduras 3-0. Uh, Lionel Messi got a brace and uh, Martinez got the, the other goal. Um, so they look to be in good form. And I think they're one of the favourites to win the, the World Cup, which is coming up. Um, and USA lost 2-0 to Japan and Pulisic got injured. So that's not great for Chelsea. This is the star man uh, and carries them through every game that he plays. Um, and Iran is also my um, top, um, well, one of my top tips for, for the World Cup. I feel like they'll top the group. Well, they beat Uruguay 1-0. Um, and Uruguay are a fantastic team um, all around. Valverde in midfield. But I know Iran, they're in um, England's group. I think they might cause a few upsets. They're not, I've got many like superstars, but they're fantastically solid. And um, yeah, I think they could do a good job. Definitely get out of the group. And uh, Brazil beat Ghana 3 0. This was much uh, question about how Brazil would line up. Will they play Gabriel Jesus? Uh, the answer was definitely no, because they did not call him up. Uh, instead, they played. Uh, Richarlison, who did do well, he got two goals. Marquinhos got the second. Um, so it looks like um, for the for the for the World Cup, Richarlison will definitely be a starter, probably alongside Vinicius and uh, Neymar. Uh, but Rafinha is in with a shout. Um, yeah, definitely be an interesting dilemma um, for Brazil. I'm sure they've already sorted it out. And they know who they're going to play for the World Cup in the front three, but. Um, with the abundance of talent and particular wingers they have, uh, it'd be definitely fun to watch them. Yeah, I think that about is your international roundup for this week. Um, yeah, it's been very eventful. Um, a lot of upsets and a lot of shocks, and some teams that you uh, will look forward to when watching them in the World Cup. Uh, coming up soon is the Manchester Derby. Um, I believe that's on Sunday, the 2nd of uh, October. Um, so that'll be definitely a game to watch out for coming up. Yeah. And um, yeah, it'll definitely be something we'll be covering on the podcast. Um, and yeah, keep an eye out on the Pitchsider website for articles coming. There should be one coming fairly soon for you. Thank you for joining me, Toby. Thank you, mate. And uh, thank you to the listener and have a good week and we will see you next monday for all the latest news transfers and football articles check out thepitchsider.com it's the place to be contact us on our socials instagram and twitter is at the pitchsider or via email is the pitchsider at hotmail.com